The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. I want you to imagine sitting in a church wherever you want to sit, this one or anyone, and telling the people, you don't know God. When you think about that a minute, especially in a packed house on a religious holiday, Easter or Christmas, telling the people, you don't know God. You think you do, but you don't. Now, that opens your ears up to the message, doesn't it? I'm going to be honest. A lot of people immediately are going to close their heart down. Well, how dare you? You don't know my heart. Well, Jesus did. But the next phrase tells us something. Well, it actually sort of sets us up, sort of summarizes what he's going to tell us in detail. He says, so they, that is those same leaders, were seeking to seize him. How do I know it was them? Because it tells us down in verse 32. It tells us who they were. This is just a summary. So they were seeking to seize him, but no man laid hand on him because his hour had not yet come. So verse 20 or 32 tells us that these are the chief priests and the Pharisees. That, that's the, we call them religious leaders of the Jews, but they're also the political leaders. I mean, you had the Roman thing, but as long as, long as the Jewish, they, they ran the political scene as well. There was a lot of politics involved in the two particular schools uh, of rabbis in the, in the Sanhedrin. But anyhow... Um, he says, it tells us that. It tells us they attempt to arrest Jesus by sending these guards, the, these uh, officers. They, would, they wouldn't be Roman soldiers. They would be temple guards. Okay? Those same ones that come to arrest Jesus later when he says, my hour has come. Um, matter of fact, we see this idea, but it's, it's about six months from this point that Jesus returns to Jerusalem in what we call you know, the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. It's about six months till he returns, and they do arrest him, try him, and kill him. All right? But, he, but it's not that time yet. You can get over to John 12, and it says the hour has come for the Son of Man. You can see it in verse chapter 13.1 and 17.1. All right? Because there's still some things Jesus has to do and God hasn't set it out that way. It's telling us this. You know why they can't arrest him? Because God's in charge and he didn't plan it that way. So you can, plan, you can send the guards if you want and we'll see. The guards just turn around and come back. So um, we get down to verse 31. And many people believed him. And they said, listen, when the Christ appears... Will he do more signs than this man has done? Notice their belief isn't based on what he said. All the things he's saying, they're still looking at the things out here, the miracles, to bring about their belief. Okay? Now, then the chief priests hear this idea. Okay? Now, what's interesting is it says this, that the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering or murmuring. The really word means whisper. I mean, in its 
basic form. Okay? But we already know that the people aren't speaking openly because they fear the Jews. So this isn't a big conversation. That somewhere along the line, these scribes and Pharisees, chief priest guys, where they're overhearing the conversations, you know, well, that, this got to be Messiah because the Messiah comes. He's not going to do, I mean, look how many miracles this guy does. Messiah one. Because the Old Testament focus on the Messiah is not miracles. The Old Testament, at least the way they translate it, okay, the way they would see it, was more of a triumphant victor warrior guy. Okay, and so the Old Testament doesn't tend to emphasize the miracles he would do. So this, these low-tone conversations are coming on, and the chief priest and the Pharisees hear this, and they send out officers to seize him. What's interesting in John 11, we tell, tells us the reason the chief priests are concerned about what the people say what the people think about what Jesus says he is. Now, notice the people are focusing on the miracles. The Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribe, are focusing on what he said. You claim to be equal with God. You claim to forgive sins. You claim you're the Lord of the Sabbath. All those other things we know from the synoptic gospels. All right? But the crowd's still focused, but they're, they're focused on what he says, and they're concerned about the people believing what he says for two reasons, according to John eleven, forty eight, 48. Upsetting the Romans. Okay, now the Romans are the power to be, at B. Now, when the Romans would come into a, and conquer a place, they, you'd have to get rid of your religion and take theirs. But the Jews were the exception. You can look in history. You don't have to believe me. You can go look it up. They made an exception for the Jews. The Jews were so stiff-necked and rebellious, I think we can keep these people under control. Let them have their temple. Let them even tax their people to support the temple. Okay? As long as it doesn't interfere with our taxes. All right? So, so these people were still the ones in control locally. Now, you, we all know Pilate comes in, but even Pilate says to the people, trying to not get them too stirred up, uh, there's two guys here. Pick one. Pilate had already gotten in trouble for killing Jews just on the spot. Um, historically, you can look at that. But anyway, so these people were, were in the control of the Jewish community. So they could accuse you of breaking a law, hold trial. Now, they couldn't put you to death. That, that was reserved for the Romans, okay? But they were in charge. But the one thing they didn't want to do is mess with the Romans because the Romans come and they'll mess with our, our system, Okay? And, you know, my life's pretty good. In case you didn't know, those people were the elite, typically the wealthy. The, they were the ones that got education. They're the ones that got the places of power and influence. They were living pretty compared to everybody else. If we upset the Romans, I lose that. I'm no longer in control, and I lose my comfortable life. So, because uh, they were afraid that they would see Jesus as the Messiah, as in the guy that comes to overthrow the Romans. Okay. Jesus' response to what these guys are saying, even though they're not, Jesus isn't necessarily hearing, it's one of those things that he knows what they're saying when they're not saying it to him. He sent, they send guards, here comes the guards. It's all in the temple. They're not traveling a long way to find Jesus. He's right there. There's temple guards around the temple. Somewhere along the line, whoever the chief priest and the Pharisee says, hey, go tell the guards to arrest him. 
So somebody goes over and whispers something to the officer of the guard, and they step forward to arrest him. And Jesus said, now, when he says it, he uses the word you, you in general, okay? Those have just rejected him, chief priest and those guys, and those who are caught in this indecision place. Yes, he's speaking to them, but you got to realize the guards are also hearing this. The guys that are coming to arrest him are hearing it as well. So Jesus uses this opportunity of them wanting to take him away, find him and take him away when he's right there, and teaches a lesson out of that, okay? For a little while longer, I am with you. Not just the guards arresting him. Then I will go to the one who sent me. Again, realizing six months later, he's back in Jerusalem for Passover. Forty days later, he literally goes back up to the one that sent him. So seven and a half months from this point, this is literally going to happen. Okay. He's going to go to his father in glory. And then you will seek me and you will not find me. They don't get it. I understand how they don't get it. Now, the question is, is this a contradiction with Matthew? It's also in Luke where Jesus says, seek me and you'll find me. Ask and it shall be right. You got to understand Jesus used this word in, in to two versions and and. Matthew uses the word son. Luke uses the word children. When you seek me and find me and ask and I'll give to you, if he gives you bread, would he give you, remember that? He's speaking to his children, not to those who are not his children. Here he's speaking to those who have not decided, they're indecisive, and those who have rejected him. Okay? Those that even sort of kind of decided because miracles he did. All right? He's saying that these people will seek him and they won't find him after he ascends to the Father. Do you realize what that means? This is where he says, where I am. Wait a minute. You're going to seek me. You're not going to find me because I'm going to go where I, to the one who sent me to the Father, to his glory. Where I am, you cannot come. He didn't say, where I'm going, you cannot come. Jews don't like this either. Because they reclaim, wait a minute, he just used I am. Not I will be. Because I'm there and I'm here. But when I'm gone, the am, I am, where I am, am. I don't have to say that. You cannot come. Now, I find it, he doesn't say you will not. You will decide not to come. You cannot come. You lack the ability to come. It can't be done. It's not possible. Now, that upsets people in our culture today even. Okay? But Jesus is flat out telling these guys, you're not going to be there, and you can't be there. Contrast this to John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do you see the connection now? He's still connecting belief in the Father, God, and belief in him related. In my Father's house are many. Come on, you know this. If it were not so, I would have told you because I am going away to prepare a place for you. 
that if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. There he ain't talking to this crowd. There he's talking to his disciples. Saying, these people, when I go, you can't come. He says to his disciples, I'll go and come back and take you so you can be there. There is a distinction between these. Doesn't say to disciples, you can't go, but if you choose, you can go there with me. And then that this gets the Jews, not the guards, gets the Jews going, wait a minute. What does he mean? They don't, they don't, because they haven't heard yet really where he was from. They still think he's from some location on earth because they're stuck in the way they approached him to start with. And they'll never get past that, ever get past that. Nick has already come to, Nicodemus has already come to him. He's one of the phrases. He came at night and says, hey, <laughs> no one can do this unless they're from God. So Nicodemus has figured this out. Okay? Jesus had opened up his heart and his mind and said he had to be born again. All right? The guards eventually, they come back, well, how come you didn't arrest him? Because I've never heard anybody talk like this before. Well, wait a minute. So the guards are standing there already. They really don't have to go anywhere to arrest him. They're standing there, and, and somebody comes over and says, go arrest him. They don't move. Why aren't you arresting him? Are you listening to this guy? Notice they didn't say, did you see what he has done? Are you hearing his words? Application. You can know some details about Jesus and know nothing about Jesus. Uh, you can know Bible stories about Jesus and not know Jesus. You, you went to Sunday school from the time you were this high to that high, and you could tell the stories. I start telling one, you could finish it. That doesn't mean you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God, even if you say you believe in one, which I forget the numbers in the United States of people who say they believe in God. Okay, If you don't believe in what Jesus said about himself, you can't believe, notice the word can't, you can't, won't believe in the Father who sent him. John 12, 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. What, what Jesus said about himself, that's going to determine. If you believe that, if you don't believe that's what's going to judge you in the end. Jesus' own words. Is he a good guy? Or is he more than that? If he's more than that, is he what he said? He, when he said he's equal to God, when he said he is the I am, that's what you'll be judged on. Because if you do receive that, there's a whole lot more that comes with that package, I'll put it that way. Okay. 
Many people today get upset when the words of Christ creates an indictment of them. Look at how do I know that you know me? You do what I command. No, I, I thought it's because I came to an altar once. That, that's the evidence that, that I know him. No, no, no. You know him when you recognize he is the I am, and I surrender to that. What you say, I do. I mean, what you said the light did, the universe did, and what you say, I do. Fourthly, indecision about what Jesus said or about Jesus, what he, who he is, okay, is the same as those who reject him. Either one of them, the ones who just flat out rejected and said he wanted to kill him, are those who are flip-flopping, they're not sure. You, you can't come where I'm going to be. It's the same. There are no agnostics in heaven. Hell's full of them. Agnostics, those that can't make up their mind about a belief in God, all right? But the same way about, if you're not sure that what Jesus said about himself, you're not certain, but you go to church every week, or at least Christmas and New Year's, or Christmas and Easter, right? Here it's New Year's because we do communion on New Year's, all right? It doesn't matter. You're in, the, you're in the same boat, if I can say that. The same judgment falls on you in indecision as it does for those who just flat out Reject him. Same situation. God doesn't, when you get to stand before God, he goes, oh, you were wondering, you know, well, what do you think now? Oh, well, now, okay, all right, then you're in, because here I am in front of you, now, now you believe. Okay? I think a lot of people are indecisive because they're afraid of the Romans. What culture around them will say and do? All right? Others don't want to give up the control of their life. Well, if I really admit that he is Lord of all the universe, that means he could tell me what to do. Nobody has the right to tell me what to do. <clears throat> Lastly, a time will come when you won't be able to find Jesus. He won't be available. You may want him, but he won't be there. In two ways. Back in Genesis chapter 6, Jesus or God says that my spirit will not remain with man forever, and his days shall be. Now, that's speaking about mortal death. The day comes when you die, and you decide, oops, I think I'll decide now. Too late. You're in the same, all those years of indecision don't matter. You're in the same exact situation, the one who says, I reject you, get out of my life. By then it's too late. The Holy Spirit's not involved in that. But then when you go to Romans 1, there's two phrases you find in, one's in verse 24 and one's verse 26. Therefore God gave them up to their sins that they wanted. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to. Okay, that's what you want. I'm going to turn you over to that, and I'm not going to bother you anymore. It's too late. That 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit will cease. That upsets a lot of people. But God says, all right, I've shown you in creation, in Romans 1 in particular, that it's obvious, he says, Paul says as he writes, it's obvious, it's clear. God says, I made it clear. And you still are going to choose your sin. and be, Then I'm just turning you over to it. I ain't bothering you anymore. This is why you heard me read from Isaiah 55 and 6. Remember, Isaiah is the one that just did the whole thing on Galilee. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him when he is near. If, he, if he's speaking to you, now's the time. What are you waiting for? Stay indecisive? Well, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure puts you in the same place to those who are sure they're not going to serve him. They're sure they're going to reject. You're in the same place in that. Okay? And, and your time, like um, Genesis is talking about, your, t- your time for dying might come. Last I checked, I, I haven't kept up on the surveys, but I think dying in humanity is one for one. I, I think everybody that lives dies. I haven't checked the research on that. Okay? But the problem is we don't know when. At that point, there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing drawing you, nothing pulling you to. It's over. Well, but see, I was just trying, I was waiting until somebody really convinced me. Well, and you see this. Uh, anybody ever, you guys know what Road Trip to Truth is? Anybody besides me and Monty? Uh, John Fabares does this thing where he goes to college campuses and interviews college kids, and then, then he speaks to guys with a bunch of PhDs, okay? But about the idea of truth, about the idea of God, about the idea of Jesus. And you get this kind of thing. Well, if I could see him, if he would do something, I mean, if he would just show that there's a God... Go over here to the Grand Tetons and stand there and look. Go to the Grand Canyon. Skip that. Just get up in the morning and watch the sunrise. Look at my grandbaby's face. It's plain. What do you else do you want him to do? How about this? Let's just look at the cross. How about that? Did he do it there? But they're wanting to see something instead of hear the words of Christ and believe them. They're wanting something more. I hate to tell you, when you die, it's too late. No miracle's going to be seen. Yeah, you'll stand before God. Oh, I see him. Now I believe. Too bad. Okay? Or you spend years in this indecision, choosing between sin, choosing not, thinking and going to church and sin, and then And God says, then I turn you over to the sin. Have fun with that. Do you know when that's going to be? Do you know when Jesus says, you know, I have extended my mercy and grace far enough. I'm withdrawing it. He has every right to do that. He does not owe you mercy and grace. He is supreme sovereign. He has the right to give it to who he wants and extend it for however long he wants. You don't know when that is. So you might as well come to him today. You might as well just surrender it to him. Unless, you know, you can tell the future. If you do, let's talk stock market. You know what's amazing to me? If you have some kind of prophet conference where, where the people think the prophet's going to tell you your future, they'll line up in hordes. 
do tune in on the station and watch it and send them money. Problem is, no man knows that future. God is the only one who looks forward in time and declares what will be before it ever takes place. And he says this, for some of you, it's over. For some of you, I will not, I'll just turn you over to that thing, those things you've been living in. And I don't know when that is. Well, you, maybe you're a gambler. I don't recommend it when it comes to God. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You're not gambling with your car, your house, or your relationships. You're gambling with your eternity. A forever. You didn't, you didn't lose a few thousand dollars you think you can make up at work next week. When you gamble this and you lose it, you've lost it all forever. That ain't worth it. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit convicting you, and don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Let's stand. Realize that six months from this point, these people that are in wishy-washy in six months they'll wave their palm leaves okay declare them to be the messiah so a week later they can flip the other way we'll give you the bandit rebel guy okay we'll let him loose or we'll let this guy you said was messiah loose and they choose this guy After that, it was too late. Father, I thank you for the words of Christ, that he makes it clear. Your word is clear. There's no ambiguity in it. No one comes to the Father but through him. No one. It's, it's putting God, our, we know that your word says clearly that it's putting our, our faith, our, our trust in our eternal destiny in Jesus Christ and his words, what he said about himself and ultimately what he did on the cross and in the grave. God, for those who can't see its clarity, I pray that you open their eyes and open their heart. For those who just have flat out rejected you, God, I pray for those around them that they would have no influence that their loved ones were still open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those that are on the fence, they can't decide. I ask, Lord, that you open them, that they stop deciding and trust instead. Trust in what you said and who you are. To the glory of your name, I pray. Amen. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's Unchanging Word.